Hello, and welcome to Married Married Muggles, Muggles. the podcast where we, as a married couple, read the Harry Potter books together. My name's Aaron, and I've never read the books before. And my name is Elise, and I have read them multiple times. Join us on our reading journey by listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts. Please do us a huge favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Married Muggles, or send us an email at marriedmuggledspodcast at gmail.com. If you send us a question, comment, or unknown spell via email or social media, use the owl emoji at the beginning to let us know you're sending an owl. Thanks so much for listening. And enjoy this episode of Married Muggles. Hello. Good morning. It's still technically morning here at this time of recording. Yeah, welcome to Labor Day weekend. We are trying to... Cramming doesn't sound very appealing, but we're trying to... (laughs) (laughs) Cram an episode in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, before some holiday weekend plans. So that I can actually edit it on time and not stay up all night on Monday. Yes, we're dedicated to trying to get these out every week. Yes. Um, So... We are back to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. What is this? Uh, episode three 11 of this oh. book? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was an early morning, middle of the night adventure for like the fourth day in a row. So just <laughs> taking a little time waking up here. But we are back. Yes. With chapters six and seven, which I already forget what they were. I think it was Gilderoy Lockhart was chapter six, and then, yes, and then chapter seven was Mudbloods and Murmurs. Murmurs. Yes. Murmurs. Indeed. Is it time for the uh, dad version synopsis? Yes. We are, because of our uh, recording schedule for today, we're going to probably do the owlry at the end of the episode, which we'll record later today <laughs> so okay well we apologize for last episode not giving you a heads up as far as what we were going to cover if you mm-hmm. are reading along here but um just as an fyi moving forward we're going to take things in a little bit smaller bites because we're finding it's hard to squeeze in 60 some odd pages into an hour-long episode or even just finding time to read 60 plus yeah, pages both. for both of us especially because like for this book and all the books moving forward, we only have one copy of the book, so we can't obviously read it at the same time. So trying to find enough time for... Usually I read the book during the day, and then Aaron will read it mm. kind of like right before the recording. So at yes, night. which I should change, but I will say the past few weeks have been busy between getting chickens, setting up the coop, the run, harvesting honey. It's been busy, so yeah. but we're still committed. We're still here. Yeah, we're still here. So, that said, uh, if we do forget again, roughly two chapters per episode is what yeah. we focus so on. Yeah, so I mean, this episode, again, was chapters six and seven, and next episode will be eight and nine. Yes. So, If you six, are reading along. Yes, indeed. So, chapter six and chapter seven... Hold on. Let me look at the book here. <laughs> Dad synopsis. I, I may or may not have fallen asleep last night on the couch while reading chapters... Chapter 6. So this is Gilderoy Lockhart. Apologize. Also, yeah, if, if, if you hear a noise in the background, it's our daughter on the monitor. Because she's supposed to be sleeping, and she's not. <laughs> ah, okay. So I, I have a hard time just keeping track of timelines here, because I feel like up until this point we've done a lot of jumping around. But um, essentially, Gilderoy Lockhart is showing how... Excuse me, the chapter... Gildred Lockhart, um, I'm going to call him Gildy, is just very annoying, and all of the professors find him annoying, the students find him annoying, except for Hermione, yes. who clearly has a little crush on old Gildy here, yep. Gildy Locks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, they're, it's kind of cool, they go into the greenhouse for, um, is it herbology? What's herbology, the- yeah. I pronounce the H, like a weirdo, but. Sound like you said herbology. I did. Oh. Well, do you go to the garden and pick herbs or herbs? Herbs. <laughs> herbology. I don't know. I always thought of it as herbology. Either way, I think. Weigh in. Might be send a... us an owl. Do you pronounce the H or not? Sure. <laughs> it might be a British thing. Either way. So you know, the, oh, yeah. Another. I don't know what is up with uh, 
maybe we'll get into later. I'll just summarize here. But they work on the um, the mandrakes, right? Pulling up the baby mandrakes, which mm-hmm. is, again, very gross, um, the way everything's described. And yeah. I feel bad for them. I hope they're not real babies or something. I know. <laughs> Don't really know how to interpret it. But they practice transplanting them, which is kind of cool. But, you know, Gildroy keeps bugging Harry about him being famous keeps trying to tell all the professors how to do their job and none of them appreciate it big surprise sounds mm. like real life right and then oh yeah ron gets the howler from mrs weasley molly which sounds i wish i wasn't so tired last night when i was reading it because it sounds so satisfying like you know when you write an <laughs> angry email or something yeah and like you just know that well, there's no way no i don't i don't Writing oh, me emails. neither. But like <laughs> angry, th- whatever. Right, when if you're, you're frustrated or something, yeah, and like you know, unless you're face to face with somebody and can really tear into them, <laughs> but like it just doesn't come across in a letter or a text or anything. But this is like it actually uh, gets your point across stronger than if you could do it in person. Yeah, because it's like you're you're sending this thing to somebody that is just going to scream at them. And especially, like, in a school full of children, like, everyone, like, knows what's up. Yeah, that's that's the really uh, so it's like, shame culture here going on. Yes, very but, much uh, so. So, okay, Ron, Ron gets the howler from his mom. Um, I actually, I'm having a hard time remembering the timeline for this chapter. Uh, so, yeah, they the howler is, like, the first thing that happens. Then they go to herbology. <laughs> and they do the mandrakes. And then we meet Colin Creevy. Ugh, Colin, he's so annoying. So annoying. Oh, is this also where we find out that... uh, The next chapter is when we find out that... Oh, and then at the end of chapter six, Lockhart with the Cornish Pixies. Chapter seven is the Quidditch stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, you just start to find out that Gildroy may be somewhat of a fraud. And then chapter... Is it seven you said? Mm Mm-hmm. So Mudbloods and Murmurs uh, refers to kind of the incident, right, where um, Draco calls mm-hmm. Hermione a Mudblood in front of everybody. And, uh, oh, <laughs> that, that Ron trying to cast a spell on... Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm still Draco. really tired and I can't remember anything right now. <laughs> Draco, yeah, and the whole thing with the slugs. But the Mudbloods refers to them calling Hermione a Mudblood in front of everybody because she's born from two muggle parents. Right. It's a dirty word. And the murmurs are from Harry ends up in detention from the whole entrance of the car and everything into the Wobbing Willow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while Ron goes to, uh, has to polish trophies and cup awards for Filch or with Filch for Filch, Ron gets sucked into addressing envelopes oh, for Harry. Gil- Sorry, Harry addresses <laughs> envelopes for, for Gildroy for four hours. I know. But in the middle of it, I didn't really understand what Harry started hearing murmurs, hence the murmurs, and there's an ink blot in the... Is that just because Harry gets distracted and his pen's stuck on the paper? Yeah, and it was at the end of the four hours, because after he yeah. says, like, oh, did you hear that voice? And Gildroy's like, uh, nope. There, Gildroy all of a sudden is like, oh, we've been here for four hours, like, we should probably stop. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so. Good, thi- good thing it happened. Um, mm-hmm. But we're finally coming back to the the bad omen that Dobby was referring to, which right. I was so relieved because until that point I was like, okay, still waiting here. Mm-hmm. Kind of had that. Anticipation. Right, anticipation way in the beginning, and I felt like it was almost lost completely. But then Harry hears some threatening words which was like rip them tear them or something like yeah, that yeah it's pretty dark <laughs> let's uh here i'm gonna quote it come come to me let me rip you let me tear you let me kill you <laughs> it's pretty good harry goes to bed yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but now he goes back to bed and that's essentially the end of the chapter there we go with ron he meets up with ron who got back even later mm-hmm. that's it that's it that's Definitely a dad version. Dad version. Sorry for not remembering anything. So, let's go back to where we started in chapter six, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so the first thing that happens in chapter six is that Ron receives the howler. And this is like the day after the car incident. So they, they get to Hogwarts. So this is like their first day back and he gets a howler. <laughs> yeah, that's a bu- Well, and it was after two kind of like 
they were everybody's favorite, except for the teachers, of yeah. course. Yeah, they were kind of glorified a little bit because they were, right. you know, they had come into Hogwarts, not on the train, but on a flying car. Like, how cool is that? But Molly sends a pretty scathing howler, just literal, literal like, word vomit screaming. Yeah, well, and then <laughs> what we find out, the reason why she's so upset was, A, because, you know, Harry and Ron endangered themselves, but also because yeah. now Mr. Weasley is being... What is it? Inquired at work or investigated, yeah. Investigated, yeah. Especially because he's the one who's in charge of taking care of, like, you know, muggle artifacts kind of thing. And especially ones that have been tampered with magically that can hurt muggles. And then now he's, you know, being inquired about a flying car that he had possession of. Which, I mean, part of this is his own fault. He had this coming at some point. Sure, of course. It would be like having a helicopter in your house. And having children and leaving the keys in it. You know <laughs> like I mean? tempting. You can't be fate. that surprised, right, if they decide to try and take it for a spin. Right. So. Could they yeah. have just sent an owl? Yes. But they're 12 year old boys. But it said, what did it say? It said that the voice from the envelope was something like, like a hundred times louder or something than yeah. what she would actually send. It was enough to make the dust shake out of the ceiling. Yeah. It's kind of it was scary. I feel like I feel like you could use that for something incredible. <laughs> well, think I mean like for Molly, she is a mother of seven children. Six of them are boys. Two of them are Fred and George Weasley. So like she she knows whoa, how whoa, to. Whoa, whoa, what are you insinuating about the boys? Boys can be a little more rambunctious. <laughs> Get into a little more mischief, maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh sure unfortunately stereotypically i feel like that's kind of the all right. the rap. all right all right but especially i think fred and george you know she probably has done quite a bit of yelling at those two bamboozlers yeah they're um, smooth though they're smooth talkers they're they know how to get good. in they know how to get out of it yeah so yes i can only imagine i mean they do this in the movie but it's i, I feel like in real life it would be a very exciting <laughs> oh i know seeing somebody else get one yeah if you got it no i would rather die but yeah i was trying to think like ron sh- slinks down under the under the table and everything but like i was trying to think of what the best reaction would be because like the thing is is yes it's embarrassing but it's not like your mom's there it's just a shouting mom at you yeah but still everyone hears it like so now everyone at the school knows that like you know, he's in huge trouble for flying the car, yeah. as well as the fact that his dad is being investigated at work, and because of what his dad does. Yeah, all that kind yeah. Of stuff. I don't know. I, that's a tough one where it's harder to imagine. Um, you'd have to experience it, but it would mm. also be really hard to experience for yeah. obvious reasons. I think it's funny too how like before Ron gets the howler, Hermione's pretty upset at the boys for taking the car. You know, because she feels like it's irresponsible and was dangerous. And I mean, for obvious reasons, because of the Whomping Willow and everything. But then post Howler, she's like, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> you, you've gotten yours. And she's, you know, kind of like good with them and whatnot. Yeah, so. she, she's, she's a pretty good sport. She seems a little yeah. more of a good sport, this book, than the previous book. Yes. Yeah. She, she definitely grows into herself, I think. Yeah. And then they're, so they're going to, their first class is Herbology with the Hufflepuffs. Which is, like, we finally get kind of introduced to another house other than, like, Gryffindor and Slytherin. Because in the first book, we really didn't see anything of Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw other than maybe, like, the Quidditch matches sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. What, but, like, when you say we got introduced to them, did we, like, learn anything about them? Not or? really. I just, I, f- I feel like this is our first, like, experience where, like, we meet Justin Flinch, Fle- Finch Fletchley. Oh, my God. Finch Fletcher? Finch. Fletch, Finch. Fletcher. I always forget this kid's name because it's like for, too many for, Fs. Yeah. Finch Fletchley. Good lord, that's a light last name. Justin Finch Fletchley. <laughs> Try saying that when you're like two. <laughs> My name is Justin Finch. <laughs> two. How about 30 or 31? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we finally like meet a Hufflepuff in Justin. Not that we really get much of him, but... Yeah, it was kind of strange that Harry just, like, he didn't know who he was, and then they just mentioned his name, and then that's it. Yeah. But we get into herbology. Herbology. <laughs> but on the way there, because Lockhart is, like, basically telling Professor Sprout how to do her job with the Whomping Willow, and she's just like, I'm over you. Please yeah, he gets away. on everybody's nerves. He really oh, does. One of my favorite descriptions, though, from the, uh... There's a bug trying to get into our house. It's literally trying all the windows. All right, bye-bye, buggy.
chickens are going to get it. Mm. But what is it? He described how she was heavily covered in soil and it was something like her fingernails would have made Mrs. Dursley faint. I yes. thought that was I thought that was funny and kind of just good imagery imagining. Like I understand if you work with dirt and stuff your nails get nasty, but yeah. like if women if they're like if you grew your fingernails out long and did that, it would be pretty gross. Oh, that would be so gross. Her and her flyaway hairs and her patched hat. Yes. Yes. And didn't she have, like, bandages and stuff like that? Or no, the Whomping Willow had, like, slings mm. on some of its branches, which yeah. I think is silly. kind of cool. But yeah, so he's trying to, like, tell her what to do, which is so annoying. And then, oh, and then he starts to, like, he pulls Harry aside before class, and he thinks that Harry maybe coerced Ron into taking the car as, like, a way to oh, get build up his right? name. Yeah, and then, so then it's, like, this weird lecture about Lockhart telling Harry to, like, pump the brakes on trying to build his name up sort of thing and get more famous. And it's a weird mix of, like, him seeming to want to help Harry as well as show off and then somehow make himself seem more famous. Because he's like, oh, like, you know, some people know your name, the whole you-know-who stuff. And it's like, everyone knows who Harry is. Like, yeah. Everyone knew who Harry was before Harry knew who he was, sort of thing. So, like, yeah, Gildra is, like, borderline delusional. delusional. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. 100%. But I, I just, like, I try to think of, I don't know as if I really know any I mean I feel like I've met people in my life who are sort of like Gildor Lockhart but not like maybe not to quite the extent of him he's definitely like a caricature I feel like of someone who's you know kind of like over confident like unnecessarily overly confident themselves I'm trying to think if there's anybody from like history who I could imagine acting like Like maybe like Napoleon um, I don't, know. I, don't, I don't think he was so much fame-driven. I think he was more power-driven. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of the context, too, of this is, you know, there's no smartphones mm-hmm. or cell phones. This is just telephones and television. And, like, newspapers and magazines. Yeah, newspapers, books. Because, like, for the Wizarding World, we never really see television in the Wizarding World. TV isn't really a thing there. That we know of, at least. At least in Hogwarts, because apparently, I, like, I've heard this th- through the grapevine, I guess. is like, at Hogwarts, electronics don't work. Which I think is maybe just, like, a convenient thing for J.K. Rowling <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think so there's no... if there's any examples. Maybe. It'd be kind of cool. It would make sense. You'd want to render muggles useless. Mm. I'm still trying to think of the fame thing. Like, I'm trying to think of really famous... Like, the only person I can think of is, like, maybe Elvis Presley. Oh, you know mm-hmm. what? How about, like, Muhammad Ali? I don't, I don't know much. Because he was known for being, like, very, very cocky and not ashamed at all by, you know, saying he was the best. I mean, he kind of was the best. Right. Yeah, it's just interesting. The other thing I wanted to point out was what an awkward, uncomfortable relationship for Harry to have with a grown man. Oh, yeah. It would just be really strange. And, well, and, like, he does, it's not like Gilderoy knows him at all. You know what I mean? Like, they met at a bookstore. Right. He just assumes that Harry likes him because he's famous. Right. But, like, he knows nothing about this child and then decides to, like, quote unquote, take him under his wing and, like, tell him to pump the brakes on being famous. And it's like, you don't even know this. Yeah. Like, know this boy. It was very strange. It was very, very uncomfortable. Because Harry's what? Is he 12 now or 13? Yeah, he's 12. Okay. So he's, he's 12, and yeah, it would just be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Well. Can we talk about the mandrakes? Sure. They're weird. They're really gross. <laughs> Small. It, said, it pretty much just sounds like a baby, but with a plant for hair. But like a really gross looking baby. Like a yeah, like what's... shrunken baby. You know, like maybe like shrunken, like really wrinkly baby. I don't know. Like. I just, why, what's up with J.K. Rowling in this book with, like, potato-like humanoids? <laughs> Gross, I was thinking the same ugly. Because, like, the gnomes, like, that's, I was well, that's what I was thinking. Like a gnome with hair. Or, like, a plant on its head. But the part that kind of grosses me out is, like, at least the gnomes, they're, like, people, they have their own culture, civilization. Yeah, this is just, like, But these that... are magical. Like, I'm just imagining, like, a fat little wrinkly, dusty slimy baby that just lives in soil <laughs> and just freaks out when you pull it out yeah. like why what's the point of having a, a like a human-like figure if you're a plant right yeah i don't know can they walk and stuff i'm i'm honestly i'm not even joking i'm like getting a little nauseous thinking about it 
Ugh. Yeah, they're nasty. You need to like wear the earmuffs and everything so that yeah. you don't pass out or die. But did did Hermione say what they were used for? She did, right? Yeah, they it's used for bringing people back from uh, tra- transfig- transfiguration spells. Not necessarily. Oh, I think it is. And how do you process mandrakes? Is another really disturbing question. It's used. To, oh, yeah, it's used to return people who had been transfigured or cursed to their oh, original state. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like, how do you use it? Do you have to like? <laughs> yeah. I'm not even gonna say it. Use your imagination, but uh, yeah. Just you know. No, thank you. How how do you get the benefits of? Carrots and tomatoes and spinach. Yeah, chop them up. (laughs) No! (laughs) Okay. Uh, Also, uh, one little tidbit that I found was interesting was that um, when we meet Justin Finch Flushley, he does say that he had his name down for Eaton, and I was going to try and do some research on Eaton. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed it was another wizarding school, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know where it is off the top of my head. So I was going to look and see. So at, at the end of the episode, I can, or I can even, Editor Elise will sneak in. and Editor Elise here to say that Eden is a all-boys muggle school that Justin had his name down for before learning that he was a wizard and accepted into Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And it is located in Berkshire, England. Back to the episode. I'm assuming it's Adam. somewhere in either Ireland, Scotland, Wales, like or, or England. Yeah. Yeah. So, but good question. We also learned that Ron's wand is busted by the Whomping Willow. And he has to use Spello tape. Which clearly doesn't work. No. (laughs) Um, Well, well, maybe the tape, if if it just does what tape does, then maybe it does work. But if his wand's broken. Now, I kind of, in the first book, got the feeling that uh, wands were almost, to to use a term that's like from D&D and Warcraft and stuff, like soul bound. Like there's only one one wand for one person. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, in a way. But I know that's not true because of later movies and stuff. Right. Um, but it's interesting because Ron's wand was... Like a hand-me-down, of, right? Yeah, it was a hand-me-down. Yeah. So, like, the wand stuff, and even, like, the wand stuff gets kind of interesting, and we see different ways that wands are... Yeah. It, it is interesting to see, like, if the wand chooses the wizard. So if the wand does not choose the wizard, how it affects that wizard's right. magic. But then again, it doesn't mean that there's only one wand. They can choose the wizard. It might be. It's kind of, it's kind of like that mm. approach to romance. You know, do you really believe that there's only one person out there for you? Or mm-hmm. are you compatible with several people? Right. What I find is funny, though, is, you know, Ron and his brothers rescued Harry. And and uh, Harry's not even willing to cough up a couple galleons to buy Ron a new wand. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just like he doesn't maybe think of that. I know. But... <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, and maybe I'm just trying to think, because like even in the first book, I don't recall any kind of like acts of generosity. There's heroism from uh, Harry. He's brave, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like give anybody gifts or anything like it's not his love language. Gift giving. No, no, definitely not. At least from what we've learned now. But yeah, well, think of it too, though, for Harry, if he bought Ron a wand, I would also like kind of in a way be stepping on like molly and arthur's toes because it's like oh this 12 year old boy can afford to get your son a wand and you can't potentially like potentially i can see how that might be that's true but i mean they also housed harry for a month yeah he's only 12 though i mean if i was a 12 year old i wouldn't i wouldn't even be thinking about stepping on you know what i mean you would just do it oh you don't have a wand or a good one yours broke i've got a big pile of gold here let me just buy you a wand i don't know but yeah. then again, it wouldn't make for some of the interesting stories, which the, the right. slug spell, I have a feeling that you thought that I would really enjoy that. Yeah. I did. It was, again, there's a lot of repulsive things in these two chapters between the baby mandrakes, the baby drakes, <laughs> baby and, <Drakes. laughs> and the, slug, the slug spell. The descriptions are awesome. Yeah. And it would, it, if that ever happened to you, can you imagine how freaked out you would be? But the slugs? Yeah. Not, I don't oh. mean you. Elise has like a phobia of I can't, throwing up. I can't handle it. I have a hard time not laughing when other people throw up or when I throw up. I don't, I, I think it's just the utter loss of control. There's nothing you can do. And, and people are so used to being in control. And this is one of those things your body will do. And there's nothing you can do about it. And for me, that cracks me up. And I want control <laughs> over myself. <laughs> but if I started throwing up slugs... 
that would be really nasty. So they don't describe a taste, unfortunately. I would imagine. Oh no, fortunately. Uh, <laughs> I, I would imagine kind of like a, a, a like tin foil. You know, like when you yeah. like have you ever bit tin foil. No. What? I don't think so. Huh. Not on purpose. Like salty tin foil. Yeah. Just because I think like slugs, they they actually have small amounts of mercury in their slime. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was really gross. It sounds like he was puking him up for a long time, too. Yes, yes. Backtracking a little bit, we're introduced to Colin Creevy. I forget how he comes into the picture. He is, like, outside of something? I was going to just try and challenge the whole uh, muggle electronics. He has a muggle camera, doesn't he? Yes. Or a camera that looks like a muggle camera, but cameras don't use batteries. He's clutching what looked like an ordinary muggle camera. What looked like an ordinary... Yeah. But clearly it wasn't because he was... Well, who knows how you develop the moving pictures. Yeah, it looks like they were just like outside after lunch and Colin comes up to them sort of thing. And he, so, so he says, starts asking Harry like for a picture, for an autograph, all this stuff. And of course... Oh, so I noticed that when he introduces himself and like is talking about him himself... He says that he has a dad who's a milkman, who's a muggle, but he never mentions, like, a mother. So I kind of wonder if he has no mom. Does he say that? Really? Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah, so his dad was kind of, like, surprised by the fact that he had a magical son, but here we are. Gotcha. But uh, Malfoy overhears Colin asking Harry for a signed photo and starts teasing Harry, so that leads to kind of back and forth and everything. Uh, And then Lockhart, of course, intervenes and is telling harry that he shouldn't be seeking out more attention harry's like come on i do like too how colin did like get a photo because lockhart was like oh you can get a a picture of myself and harry and in the picture harry's like no thanks like noping out of there (laughs) when he gets the uh yeah because that is kind of a cool thing to imagine with the photographs because right they're moving photographs yeah yeah and it sounds like somehow they actually capture the the true essence, essence of, of how the people are feeling, which is interesting. I wonder if you could use that as kind of like a, not a truth serum, but you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Um, I thought that was really funny. The moving pictures things is neat. Yeah, Colin's really, he, he's a first year, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's really annoying. I, I would be so ticked off if I was Harry and constantly had somebody following me. Yeah, I would. I, would I, I don't know why he hasn't already taken the camera and just chucked it or something <laughs> i don't yeah because like thinking about how i would handle that sort of situation like i feel like because i don't like to feel like i'm being mean to someone but, but again harry's that's... not like he's not necessarily a really nice person he's brave and he does the you know the right thing mm-hmm. but, yeah, he's, but not... he's not always nice no he's not always nice no. he can be nice but he's not always sure. nice I think that he, and maybe that's partly from, like, living with the Dursleys, because, like, clearly they're not very nice, so it's not like he necessarily learned. Uh, that's true. That's true. Some of it might have rubbed off on him. Yeah. But not, but, but still, like, just having someone follow you around like that is really obnoxious. And it's like, read the room for Colin. Like, if someone is, like, kind of trying to brush you off, just... <laughs> I feel I like know. if you're a photographer, or, like, like a journalistic photographer... Mm-hmm. Not being able to read the room is probably a good trait to have. Yeah. You know what that's I mean? True. Or else it's kind of like, um, you know, I'm in sales. It's kind of like people who are afraid of asking for things. If you're afraid of asking for things, then you do not want to be in sales because yeah. you'll be comfortable, uncomfortable all of the time. And I can imagine being a photographer like that. He's, he's, be, he's being more of a journalist, less than a photographer. Right, because he's, like, needling Harry with all these questions and he's just, like, asking for a picture. Like, he's kind of, honestly, he's kind of bold. Because he's just going for it. You know well, what I mean? Bold or unaware. Same thing. But yeah, I think kind of both. Because like, yeah. I, I think he's unaware, but what he's doing is pretty bold of like asking. Again, it's another instance where Harry is in a situation with someone he doesn't know. And they're like assuming something about him in a way. Colin is maybe in a way assuming that Harry... I don't, I don't know what he's really assuming. but There's a lot of people so far in this... Oh, should, I, should I say a lot of people? Two people yeah. that are lacking a lot of social awareness. Yes. Colin and... Lockhart. And Gildy Locks. Gildy Locks. I do must say, though, I, I do like his uh, his choice in colors when it comes to his fashion. Gildroy. <laughs> Aquamarine. Aquamarine, and... turquoise. Except for the the lightest mauve. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to like figure out what that means. 
Because be mauve like, is already kind of like a lighter. It is. It's like a light pinky purple. I thought mauve was like a a, a, a purplish brown. Oh yeah. yeah. We're gonna look up mauve. Mauve. The lightest of mauve. Our daughter's not napping. Nope. It is. 11.52, and we're waking her up in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Work. Waking her up. Yeah. She's going to be tired today. Tired poo-poo. No, no, I was wrong. Mauve, a pale purple. So it, it would mm-hmm. be a very, very pale, light purple. Very pale. They go to Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is Gilderoy's class. Yeah, and I don't know if, I wanted, if we want to jump around a little bit, but we find out you know, through Hagrid, that he was the only choice mm-hmm. for the defense against... What about... Like, I was trying to... Th- now, it's funny being an adult and reading these, like, thinking of the logistics for the school needing to hire this professor. Like, mm-hmm. well, we know Snape wants the role, but he's also really good at teaching potions. Mm-hmm. So unless they can find a potions replacement class... But, I mean, I don't know. Which class is more important? Would you rather have a bad potions teacher or a, well... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And, and seriously, though, who is the dangling Dumbledore <laughs> <laughs> who hired this guy? Yeah. Know. Yeah. It's a book. It's a book. It's, it's fiction. A book. It's a children's book. Then again, Dumbledore does some things that appear silly on the outside. Yeah. But who knows? This guy might be able to see into the future for all we know. <laughs> But uh, he hands out, Lockhart hands out a quiz. And <sighs> all of the questions are just about him and like, what's his favorite color? And like, what are his ambitions? And nonsense like that. And nothing of academic value. Yeah. And Hermione gets like 110% or something crazy. Yeah, she got him all right. <laughs> and then he's like disappointed that people don't know like what his favorite candy is or something like that. Some, some uh, sort of stupid question. Um, if he could have, what is it? If he could have one birthday gift or something. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Who gives a who? And he said it would be that all muggles and, and wizarding folk could get along. And he said, but he wouldn't mind getting a bottle of fire whiskey. Oh, of, yeah, of yeah. Ogden's fire whiskey. Yep. Yes. And then he gave them another roguish wink. <laughs> yeah, he winks a lot. Don't yeah. trust people who wink too much. No. Oh, but Miss Her- Hermione Granger knew my secret ambition is to rid the world of evil and market my own range of hair care potions. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, Gilderoy, you. So what were those? What were the pixies again in the cage? What were Cornish they pixies. So Corn- they're like a blue creature. Well, they are terrifying. He's right. They are. He's not wrong about that. And no. clearly, how does he answer to that? Where do the pixies go once they break the wind? Like right. I guess but he like lets them out, but he doesn't know how to get them back in. Like it's, it's like he's so full of himself that he truly doesn't realize or like is just. Unembar- I don't know, but like he does a lot of these blunders that make it obvious that he's a, f- you know, you know, though, know. like just with real life, there are certain people who are just so charming, whether it's because they're attractive or they're just charismatic, mm-hmm. that it's so much easier for them to build credibility like who who i yeah. forget who he was talking to if it was hermione or somebody or uh, harry but how he said something like it was it was amazing like no matter what he was saying whatever gildor was saying how you were always able to see all of his teeth yeah but i was like thinking about that i was like man that's like you have to practice that it was it was just interesting yeah. i don't know trying to think of him as a real person is interesting i know yeah like i I feel like I know, I've known people in my life who have, like, some characteristics or, like, a watered-down personality like Gilderoy Lockhart's, but, like, just just to have someone written on the page who's just so unaware of themselves. Well, I don't know. He is. And so full of themselves. I don't think he's unaware of himself. Like you said, I just think he's gotten used to being admired by everybody. But now that he's in a, uh, you know, wizarding university, that's not where it's appreciated. Like, think about it. It would be like, uh, I guess, you know, if you were like a professional sports player, right? Mm -hmm. And then you went and you were teaching uh, at MIT or Harvard. You're not going to get the same respect or admiration as if you were somewhere else. So 
He's not wrong about himself, because clearly he has a huge following. He's successful. Right. Just not at Hogwarts. No. So yeah, so Lockhart lets the Pixies out of the cage, and then basically just kind of expects the students to get them back in. He tries a spell, Pescapixie Pandemonium or something, Pandemonium, I can't remember the exact spell, but he tries a spell, it does absolutely nothing. So then all the other students run out of the classroom, and... (laughs) The trio is left, and he's just kind of like, you've got this right, 12-year-old children. Yeah. And they do. They do. <laughs> they do. Her, well, Hermione does. Hermione does. <laughs> or, yeah. Well, does it say, does Ron grab one of them, too, or something? I think so. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, when the I think the Ron is maybe saying something about how Lockhart's kind of a fraud, and, and Hermione corrects him to say that, oh, well, you know, he's done all these things in his books, and... Ron corrects her to say that Lockhart says he's done all the things in his books. Mm. And that's the end of chapter six. That's the end of chapter six. And but this, this is... might be a good time for an ad because we have to go to a family gathering and get our daughter up. But we'll come back in like a second for you and a few hours for us. Yeah, to... Hold on a second. We'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Chipper chapter seven. Chipper chapter seven. Chipper chapa chipper chapa. Enjoy this ad. Welcome back. We're back. Thanks for listening to the advertisement. Was yeah. it fun? <laughs> we hope you liked it. It's the same one we've had since the beginning. Happy Labor Day. Took a little pause here in between these recordings, but mm-hmm. uh, it's Labor Day now. We thought we would finish it sooner than we did, but that's okay. Life yeah. happens. So, on to chapter seven. Seven. Which is? Mudbloods and Murmurs. Mudbloods and Murmurs. Right. So, yeah, I think so. And uh, in this chapter, kind of starts out with Draco. We find out he's part of the. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. She just shook her head at me. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no, because they start with uh, an er- really early morning Saturday Quidditch practice with Oliver Wood wakes up Harry, and we have the whole like you know. Oh. So, sorry, I started fifteen minutes too early oh. into the timeline of this story. My mistake. Harry's sleeping. Harry is sleeping. What's his name? Woodchuck? Woodward? <laughs> Woodchuck Earl? No. Oliver Wood. Oliver Wood. That's Oliver Everyone. Wood, yeah. Right. He's all stoked because he's come up, come up, he's come up with a bunch of new strategies for the year for uh, Gryffindor. Yeah. So he gets all the Gryffindor players up and he is not very good at reading the room and realizing that no one else wants to be at Quidditch practice on a Saturday morning. No, not that early anyways. No. No. It wasn't, somebody was like throwing shade about they lost the last match because Harry was unconscious because he saved the whole school. Yep. Am I wrong about that or no, did that happen? That happened. Was it Wood? I don't think his intention necessarily is to throw shade, but he does kind of like. Blame it on Harry. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because Harry was unconscious. Ridiculous. Because yeah. the, right, the, the whole school knows what happened. Right, exactly. So, so. But yeah, so he's kind of like going over these new Quidditch strategies so that they can win. I think it's because he's, I forget if it's this year, if if it's like year two or if it's year three that Oliver Wood is like graduating. It's his last year. I forget if this is his last year. Oh, anyway. so he's kind of trying to make a splash. Yeah, he wants to win because he wants to have a victory before he graduates. So, which is understandable. I get it, but. So like they basically go over these new strategies for forever and a day, and then by the time they actually get out onto the field, that's when Slytherin shows up. Gotcha. Sorry, I was just reading the. Now listen here, you lot. He said, glowering at them all. Glowering at them all. We should have won the Quidditch Cup last year. We're easily the best team, but unfortunately, owing to circumstances beyond our control, Harry shifted guiltily in his seat. He had been unconscious in the hospital wing for the final match of the previous year, meaning that Gryffindor had been a player short and had suffered their worst defeat in 300 years. Wood took a moment to regain control of himself. Their last defeat was clearly still torturing him. Okay, so the defeat was torturing him. It just kind of felt like he was mad at Harry for saving the school. He would have rather have won the Quidditch match. (laughs) Maybe he would have. There are people like that with sports. Priorities. But yeah, so he's going over all that, and then Slytherin comes out, 
and they're they have a note from Snape because they want to train up their new seeker who happens to be Malfoy. And Malfoy's dad bought new brooms for the whole team. Yeah, really annoying. Nimbus yeah. two thousand and ones. Right. Real clever. I know. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, because what are Ron and Fred's? What are they? Like clean Ron, sweep. Ron and Fred. Uh, George and Fred. Clean yeah. sweeps. How they're called? I yeah. just like the names better. Yeah. Clean sweep. I mean, it's a broom, so it makes sense. <laughs> it's a clean sweep. <laughs> No cobwebs here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Awkward mom jokes. So, yeah. Uh, and Hermione kind of claps back at Malfoy because he's, you know, jabbing at Fred and George and their clean sweeps. And so Hermione says that no one had to buy their way onto the Gryffindor team. And that's when Malfoy calls her a mudblood, which is very bad. Yeah. And Ron, Ron's the one who kind of takes the, the brunt of the blow by trying to cast a spell. On yeah. Draco, but because it was broken wand with the uh, spellotape. What was it called? Spellotape. Spellotape. Yeah, backfires. And I wonder if he was trying to cast the same spell on Draco, or if just like not only can he not aim his spells, but he can't even get them right. Yeah, I don't know. Like I know in the spoiler alert in the movie, he like shouts, eats slugs at Malfoy. Mm. And then it backfires on him, so then he eats slugs. Or yeah. That is a good that. spell. That is a good spell. I'm looking forward to watching that in the movie. <laughs> it's literally, I think, my least favorite part of all the movies. Well, it's that, funny. That and there's another there's another piece that comes up, but there's... Yeah, it's gross. It's great. It's disgusting. Well, it's even funny in the book, on the page of, you know, the first page of chapter seven, it shows Ron in front of... A giant cauldron, like a 30-gallon cauldron yeah. filled with slugs. And just imagining... That many slugs coming out Throwing up. 30 gallons of slugs. <laughs> so gross. Sorry, I get silly about throw up. Ugh, so nasty. Harry and Hermione like decide to take Ron to Hagrid's because they it's the closest place they can get to. Yeah. And Colin kind of interjects a little bit and is trying to get a picture of Ron burping up slugs and everything. And it's like Colin again. Like this, I don't know what it is with these characters in this book and not being able to like again read the room. Just so many people are so socially. It's true. Inept. Interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like it's clearly kind of a this book. no one wants their picture taken while that's happening, but this kid does not realize that. Well, Harry doesn't want his picture taken. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, Ron is again burping up slugs. So, like no one wants. It is, it is funny, though, that they take him to Hagrid's. Like, Hagrid really hasn't demonstrated a great ability to cure anybody or to use magic really. He's not no. even supposed to use magic anyways. And, like, the infirmary can, like, heal a broken arm in a minute. Yeah, like, couldn't Madame Pomfrey, like, just magically get the slugs out? Right. <laughs> you know, like... And then it's funny, because... Was it... Uh, was it Hagrid or Hermione who was, were they like looking up what to do about the spell? And they just basically say, you gotta just wait till they're all up. Yeah, I think Hagrid said, I think it might have been Hagrid who just said like, yeah, you just gotta wait it out, man. It's awful. Yeah. Ugh. At least he knows though. That would be the worst part, knowing like, what if it was a permanent spell? Oh, mm-mm. No, no bueno. And then, oh, so I guess that, that before they get to Hagrid's hut, they see Lockhart coming out of his hut and like saying something to Hagrid about like... I forget what it was specifically. And Hagrid's getting all ticked off <laughs> with Gilderoy for... Uh, Hagrid's getting all ticked off with Lockhart for telling him what to do. And so when they get to the door, Hagrid's kind of like already agitated and then he sees that it's them and he lets them in. Well, you find out this is the first time they've even visited Hagrid since they've been to Hogwarts. Right. So it's been like a week. Right? Something like that. Yeah. I was kind of surprised at that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, and then Hagrid is saying something about Lockhart and basically says, like, if one word of anything that he says is true, I'll eat my kettle. And oh, I yeah. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it is good. Oh, and then oh, I did, like, the joke, too. What he, he says uh, it's about Harry giving out autographs and how he was oh, mad yeah, that he didn't yeah. get one or something. And Harry's like, come on. <laughs> and then Hagrid winks at him or whatever. Yeah. He's joking. Which, yeah. which, like, it's funny because, like, in the first book, I don't really remember Hagrid having a sense of humor Actually, yeah, he's just like a, he's a funny character because like the way he talks is interesting and like some of the things that he does are, like are, are humorous. Like, it's not like he necessarily is making jokes. 
Well, that's what I was going to say purpose. is like, there's not really many personalities in the stories that I can think of where people actually have a sense of humor. I guess... Fred and George. Well, yeah, Fred and George, and it is dry British humor, which is funny too. Yes, which I love. And actually, Draco, I mean, it's not, you don't like it because he's antagonizing the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But he does have a sense of humor. He makes jokes and everything. But yeah, again, it's, it's all like, it's, very dry. Yeah, well, it's, they're like cruel jokes. They're right. jokes nonetheless, but right. they are cruel. But I thought that might have been like one of the first jokes that anybody makes with Hagrid. It's <laughs> just like a normal, you know, it's just mm-hmm. good. It's yeah. good. He was being sarcastic. Yes. While they're there, Hermione does, you know, says that she doesn't know what a mudblood mudblood means. So Ron is kind of explaining it between slugs. We learn that mudblood is a very derogatory term for someone who's born to muggle parents, and it kind of translates to like dirty blood or yeah. impure blood. And how certain wizards in the wizarding community believe in being pure blood and everything. So we we get a taste of that. I think it's really good for that part. Because then Bronn's like done burping up slugs and they leave. <laughs> yeah. It is nice to see though just how Hagrid's so quick to jump to somebody's defense though. Because I forget what he says about it. but Oh, oh, he said, you know, it was, it was a good thing that Ron's spell didn't work. Because then he probably would have gotten expelled. Right. Because. Yeah, he would have already gotten into enough. Yeah. Well, and because of the, the tree. Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have been like strike two. Yeah, right, exactly. So. So it worked, it, it, unfortunately it worked out, but not in a pleasant way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. But then Professor McGonagall gives them their detention orders, and we learn that detention for them is that Ron has to go polish all those trophies right, by filch. hand. So oh, el- el- right. Grease, no yeah. magic. And then Harry has to go sign letters for Lockhart, and literally they both are like, can I please just take the other one? <laughs> like... Harry's like, I'll go polish trophies. Yeah. I'm good at that. Well, obviously, if we could just pause for a minute, like, I was thinking, I I don't, I don't think I ever went to detention. No, I never did. We had, like, recess detention and stuff, but that stuff was silly. But, like, after school. But it's kind of cool because Hogwarts is a boarding school. Like, it was Saturday night at 8 o'clock that they had to go to detention. Yeah. That was just like, ugh. and yeah. I remember in the book, it, it said something like, uh, you know, it seemed like 8 o'clock came moments later. It, just, it would just ruin your whole day knowing that... At 8 <coughs> o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, you gotta go yeah. up and do this. Your first Saturday back. Yeah, and they're there. They're each in their own detention till... For four hours. Till like Harry's. midnight. Yeah. Which, how old are they? 12 years old? I thought it was yeah. kind of strange, too, that like it said in the Gryffindor dormitory when they got back, there are only a few people still up. Like, yeah, that's normal for college. Right, when you're but 18 like for to 21 years old, but for children, yeah. Yeah, but hey. So while in detention, yeah, Harry has to sign and address Lockhart's fan mail. And literally the whole time, Lockhart's just like talking to Yammering Harry and on. saying these dumb phrases like fame is a fickle friend or celebrity is a celebrity does. And Harry's just like, whatever, dude. I did like that. The whole celebrity is a celebrity does. It made me think of Forrest Gump. And the whole stupid as a stupid does. And mm. I thought that was actually kind of a cool lesson. Like, don't accuse somebody of being anything until their actions reflect it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in the context here, it didn't really make sense. But then I was thinking right. how some people say people are foolish or dumb. And it's like, well, what, because of something they said? You know, saying something silly doesn't really hurt anything as long as you're not doing something hurtful i don't know right i just I, I never actually thought of the phrase before yeah it's a, it's a weird phrase but yeah i get that like especially if you're someone who was kind of like almost in a way born into being a celebrity like if your parents are famous and you're just kind of born into that industry i think sometimes like you do things that are for maybe like a normal person maybe unacceptable is the right word or just not something that a normal person would do and it, that phrase does kind of make sense of just, like, celebrity as a celebrity does. Like, they don't know any different, in a way, hmm. I guess. I don't know. That... I think of it a little bit. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the context here doesn't really make sense or apply to anything. Like, Yeah. Because what is Cause like, what does doing something in a celebrity way mean? It doesn't really make sense to me. Right. And I think it's, like, there's also a difference between being famous and being a celebrity. Like, Lockhart is a celebrity, and he is famous. Like, I think... Well, what's the difference between being a celebrity and being famous? I think, like, so... 
for Harry, I think he's famous, but I don't necessarily think of him as a celebrity because it's not like he's out like doing celebrity-ish sort of things. I think he's just, people know who he is because of what happened to him as a child, but it's not like, it's not like with Lockhart, like he's going and doing book signings and, you know, being followed by paparazzi or whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't think of Bill Gates as a celebrity, but he's famous. Hmm. I'm just trying to think, because, right, the word celebrity comes from celebrate, so it's somebody who's celebrated. Yeah. And I would say Bill Gates is celebrated, and I would... Harry yeah. Potter... I mean, he's just a boy who lived. So, yeah, I don't know. Just a boy who lived. I would, yeah, just a boy who lived. I don't know. I think I would say that Harry Potter is a celebrity. That's what I'm mm. saying, is I just don't think the phrase he uses makes sense, but it made me think yeah. of other spins on the phrase that could make sense mm. i guess maybe i'm getting that like the whole thing with celebrities just because i think of people who appear in like a magazine i don't really know if i've ever i mean i'm bill gates has definitely been in magazines before but i guess it's just the there's probably the way people think about what yeah a celebrity is compared to the actual webster dic- dictionary <laughs> definition right right I don't know. But while Harry is in detention with Lockhart, he hears a voice. The voice that we talked about earlier in the episode, the let me rip you, which is very disturbing. And Harry kind of freaks out and is like, did you hear that voice? And Lockhart does not hear the voice. So he, that's when he says to Harry, like, oh, I think we've been here long enough. Like, let's call it a night. So Harry goes back to the common room, waits for Ron, and then updates Ron. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, but again, it was so good to finally get some idea of the, uh, like I said, finally coming full circle back to whatever bad omen Dobby was referring to. Yeah, yeah. But it is strange. I still think that we haven't seen Dobby reemerge. I'm sure he will. Were there any other things that happened bad so far that were kind of indicators of something to come? Or is this really the first thing? There are things in this chapter that kind of indicate Issues that will come up later on in the books. But I mean things that are but, on their face related to it. Like, again... Uh, I mean, yeah. The, like like the, Lucius selling his poisons back. You know what I mean? With the inquiry. Right. And everything. Dobby in the beginning. And then this whole thing with Harry. But I can't think of anything else. Mm. You'll just have to wait and find out. I, I will. I'll have yeah. to read and find out. <gasps> My goodness. So, well that was the end of 6 and 7. Yep. What were your thoughts? My thoughts. Any Hmm. final thoughts or... My thoughts. It is kind of cool that the students are diving into some more dangerous magic. Mm -hmm. Like with the mandrake, the the young mandrakes. We had the... What were they called? What kind of pixies? Cornish pixies. Cornish pixies. And it just seems a little more serious. Like I feel like the age level has been elevated a little bit. Yeah. I haven't heard much about Snape yet in the book. Mm-mm. No, just we really have only seen him with the car. Yeah. Because he's the one that found them. Oh, the right. And, the, and then they ate their dinner their, their in his office by of, themselves. With the endless pile of sandwiches. And uh, rifling. Rifling through all rifling. his drawers and cabinets yeah. and everything. <laughs> what do I think so far? I mean, a lot of books like these and movies, I don't think they'd be very interesting if you didn't get to experience the bad guy and something bad happening. So this sounds bad, but I'm excited for something bad to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting there. <laughs> like, you know, we haven't really gotten too far through the book. We're, we're like almost halfway there through the book. But what are some of the biggest differences that you're kind of seeing compared to the last book? If there are any. Well, again, I feel like in the first book was a lot, a lot of it was focused on how Harry feels. And how he's perceiving things. And so far in this book, it feels just like a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of focused on other characters I found out, or I'm finding so far. It doesn't really seem to be like Harry-centric at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because J.R. Tolkien... Tolkien. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is trying to, like, introduce more characters or getting a little more character development for people other than Harry. Because now we have Ginny a little bit. Or this guy, Colin. Obviously, Gildroy. Haven't heard much about Dumbledore, either. No. In this. Yeah, so as we keep reading, I'll kind of have to figure... And again, maybe they're going to 
kind of bring it full circle here and bring it back, but I'm still finding it's kind of hard to focus on anything. Like in the first book, the focus was, okay, Harry had no idea that he was a wizard. Now he's a wizard and he's discovering more about himself, his history, his family, and Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Like so far in the story, we haven't really like dived deeper into his past or anything so i'm still kind yeah. of trying to understand the focus so far and obviously the name of the book is the chamber of secrets and we haven't gotten there yet so i don't know it still just seems a little bit scattered mm -hmm. yeah. i think is what i'll say it's a little scattered mm -hmm. i will say like just for the future of the books like jk rowling does do a really good job of tying everything together at the end of each book and like at the at, especially even like at the end of the series and we do obviously over the course of seven books that are pretty large books we meet a lot of different characters and she does do a really good job of introducing new characters and having them not be like confusing like I've tried reading Game of Thrones. I've read the first book and then I'm kind of like in the middle of the second one. I haven't read it for like a year probably, but but those books are so many characters and there's so many different storylines to kind of keep track of. But I do like that with these books there it always does come back to Harry and like kind of keeping him as sort of a central the the central character so that you always kind of have a tether to come back to. So I feel like right now we're learning about, about a lot about Lockhart. We're even learning more about like the Weasleys, all of them sort of in a way. We learn more about Hermione, Draco. You know, we're getting these deep dives, deeper dives into other characters, but it keeps them memorable. You know, like there's different characteristics that you can be like, oh yes, Oliver Wood mm -hmm. is like the Quidditch captain and you kind of get more of his story and a little bit more, not much, but. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that, and I think, because I remember from the movie, the feeling, I remember it was always like there's a heavy focus on the one or two new characters that weren't in the previous mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. And I agree with you. That's like, clearly, Gildroy is a focus of this book. Right. He keeps coming up, and he's the new character, but you're right. Other than him, there don't really seem to be many other important people you need to remember. Right. And, and she well, also... Lucius, Lucius Malfoy. I think is he's he an, I think he's another character. Yeah, he's kind of introduced to this book. Oh, so I feel like he's we're kind of getting a little more background into Lucius as well. For some reason, I thought he was in the first book too. I don't think so. No. Really? No. We really didn't get much of Draco in the first movie. I don't feel or at the first book. I don't feel like. But huh. no, because we're just meeting. Because remember at the in the when Harry's in Nocturne Alley and he's like, saying how he sees Draco and he sees a man who looks very much like Draco. That he's assuming is his oh. father. Oh, I remember like the long pointy nose. and Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I guess it was in my imagination. Okay. But yeah, still two people that you have to remember. And I think what she's good about doing is making the new characters pretty one-dimensional. You know what I yeah. mean? Gildroy is a flamboyant, arrogant person who's, you know, all talk. Like, okay, I can keep track of that information. Right. And it's an image that's different from everyone else. And then Lucius is just like, I won't say evil. I don't know if he's evil or not, but he's really unkind. You know, he's all about winning. They're very much caricatures, I feel like. Yeah, Like, exactly. a, lot, a lot of them are just, they're very exaggerated. In term, you know, like, again, I feel like I've said before that I feel like I've known people with qualities like Gilderoy Lockhart, but never someone quite to that extent. But it's... You know, again, thinking about it being a children's book, you kind of need to, in a way, have it be a little more over the top for, I feel like, maybe a kid to yeah. um, no, I think that's true think for, about it. I think that, that might be true for any kind of good fictional book, especially fantasy. Like, think about mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Like, Legolas, he's all about perfection. And mm -hmm. then you've got Gimli, who's just really brazen and, you know what I mean? Like Right. Just to make it, I think there's something about it that makes it easier for your brain to digest. Right. It also is probably nice as an author because then it makes it easy to determine who's going to do what. Yeah, because then you have a pretty niche storyline for each person and a pretty niche like character analysis for each person because then it's like, oh, like this character is the perfectionist. This character is the, 
you know, the arrogant one. Right. This is the brainy one. You know, that's... I mean, and you see that in, like, tons of kids' shows and adult shows. I mean, like, think about, I don't know, even watching... We're watching Scrubs. Like, JD is kind of goofy and... Elliot is very like brainy, wants to be this the best and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Well, I think too because it's also we're kind of programmed to stereotype, mm-hmm. and this makes it kind of easy to do that and easy to remember. Yeah, I guess like the only thing I feel like Harry is maybe a, sort of a, a little bit of an exception because I don't really I mean other than maybe being brave. Maybe that's like his, but I don't feel like that's like what drives him in everything. I yeah, don't know. I agree. It is a little bit harder. Him and yeah. Ron, I think. Yeah, I think Ron is a little bit of, like, comic relief. But I do I do like that, I feel like for the main characters in Harry Potter, like the, the trio, like Harry, Ron, and Hermione, yes, there are kind of, maybe more for Hermione, there are some kind of caricature features. But overall, I think that they, that these three characters get very well developed sort of thing and have a lot of depth to them. Mm. And I think a lot of the characters do as well, but in, especially, I think, in the first few books... There are these characters who are very like Snape is definitely very much a caricature yeah, in a way and yeah yeah, yeah. No. but as the series goes on I think we learn more about them that makes them like more uh, concentrated more you know concentrated. what I mean instead of like being diluted like having that that caricature feature it's very concentrated for them got it well cool well the one other thing I was gonna say is I made kind of the criticism almost that it seems like it takes too long to get things to come back. To like the whole thing with Dobby. But then I'm remembering that when people write books, they don't expect people to sit down and read two chapters a week. Right. If I was reading these books quicker, I think I wouldn't have that feeling. But yeah. I'm like, come on, it's been a month now and we don't know where <laughs> Dobby came from and why. And it's like, oh, right, because typically instead of a month, it'd be two right. hours. Right. So yeah. I think that's what that is. So I apologize for that yeah, unfair you criticism. Yeah, better apologize. So well, that's it. Cool. Well, we're going to do the Owlery section here at the end. Um, so, oh, I think I see an owl. I don't see one, but I hear one. <gasps> there it is. All right. What do we have today? We don't have that many owls, actually, which is fine. We're, okay. we're, we're good with that. Um, we have kind of like two-ish, three-ish we have two from Matt. Matt said that bacon sandwiches are literally just bacon and bread. All right. This is Matt from Peace Love Grapefruit Podcast. We love to plug them because they're our friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then his other owl was, um, he sent me a few, but I kind of picked out like the ones I felt were most relevant. Maybe um, garden gnomes are attracted to wizard gardens specifically. Okay. So. Probably because there's, like, magical stuff in there. Where do they live otherwise? Where... <laughs> Matt, tell us. Where do they live otherwise? I'm good. Yeah, I don't think. Know. Yeah. And then our second is from our dear friend Karen, and she's going to give a try to finding out where the Weasleys live, because we did give her that challenge in our oh, nice. last episode. So she's going to give it a try. A good old college try. Ooh, does she also want to try and figure out where it was at Easton is? Hmm? Remember? Eaton. Eaton. Eaton? Eaton. Eaton. Yeah, the other school. Is it Colin? Justin Finch Fletchley. Right. And that's <laughs> all we know is his name and he wanted to go to uh, Eaton. Eaton. He had or... his name down for Eaton. I think he decided to go to Hogwarts. Well, we'll have so. to keep our eyes peeled for any other clues about what yeah. Eaton is or where Eaton is. Yeah. Thanks, right. owls. Bye-bye, owl. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's yeah. episode of Married Muggles. So reading for next week is chapters 8 and 9. That is correct. Which are chapters, or chapter names. 8 is The Death Day Party, and chapter 9 is The Writing on the Wall. All right, cool. Which whenever I see that, it reminds me of uh, back in like 2008, I think it was. Uh, this band that I used to listen to, Under Oath, because I used to listen to <laughs> hardcore music, they had a an album come out called Writing on the Wall. So whenever I look at this chapter, I think of Under Oath and men screaming into my ear. <laughs> so, okay. It's, it's a great time. <laughs> I guess we'll end it with Life is like a box of birdie bots. Yep. 
We'll do this as long as we want to. We'll see. I feel like the birdie bots is losing steam. <laughs> Why? What's what's your birdie bot? And today, my birdie bot is egg yolk. <laughs> and why would that be? <laughs> Feeling a little sluggish now. Had a big breakfast. Of pancakes made with eggs from our chickens. And it's kind of warm out, warm and gooey out. And also our chickens got out this morning. Our fence was broken for whatever reason. So I got chickens on the brain. Mm. And I just my eyes feel like egg yolks. They just want to kind of... I just heard a chicken. We can hear our chickens. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to keep drinking water and kind of wash down some of this egg yolk. Mm. How about you? (laughs) My day was like a jelly munchkin. Like a jelly donut. Because I'm not a big jelly donut fan. So my reasoning for that is because it's been a really good day. Donuts are really good. And yeah, the chickens got out and that was kind of a surprise. So it's like eating, like biting into Mm. a donut or a munchkin and getting a jelly surprise. And you're like, you weren't expecting it. You weren't sure what's happening. But you still get to eat a donut. But I still got to eat a donut. So it's still a good day. And there, the chickens are freaking out again. So, or something. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. And you can probably hear our chickens. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, And we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.